So what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Coffee with Chloe. Um, thank you for tuning in this week. Um, we're going to talk about When They See Us by um, Ava DuVernay. Um, I also have a guest on. Again, it is my cousin, Justin. So just to say what's, what's up. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to kind of talk about this um, Netflix series. Um, that was actually like super popular. Um, I think it was at one point one of the po- most po- watched Netflix uh, shows. So, I mean, that's really interesting. Um, interestingly enough, um, I really support Ava and a lot of things that she's doing um, in terms of like her production and like film work. Like she did 13th. Um, obviously, she did When They See Us. Um, she's done a lot of work just around telling a lot of the untold stories about, you know, things that are going on within the black community, um, and as well as in, like, you know, the criminal justice system, so I'm a a really big fan of that, um, and she also, as a black, you know, person in the industry, has made it a point to help other black female filmmakers, um, I would like to just go ahead and say this, I actually tried to intern with her, uh, summer 2019, um, I never heard anything back, so I'm gonna try again. So if anybody listening to this, if you know Ava DuVernay, I'm trying to get on that team. <laughs> shameless plug. Um, yeah, let's shameless plug. You know, like I genuinely mean that like I really believe in a lot of the work that she's doing, um, just as a filmmaker. Um, and it's kind of something that I would really like to to do myself and be a part of. Um but anyway, with all that being said, um I would like to talk about when they see us. Um, obviously it's about um the Central Park five. Um, I think a lot of people call them the exonerated five now. Um, but um, for anybody who isn't aware, which, I mean, I'm just going to have to assume that most people are aware now. Um, it's about, you know, five uh, black men who were sentenced um, as teenagers um, for allegedly trigger warnings to anybody listening, molesting a white woman as she was jogging through Central Park. Um, and it was later found out that they weren't the true... Um, people who committed that crime and so they were exonerated um to the city of new york won you know millions of dollars but they also lost you know years and years of their lives for being in jail for something that they did not do um and there were a lot of people who supported their arrest so like donald trump i think mike bloomberg and a couple other people who were in new york and powerful people in new york at the time really pushed for them to be arrested, charged, and convicted of this crime, even though they did not do it. Um, so, I actually knew about this originally from the documentary that came out. So, there was a documentary that came out you know, years before Ava made this um, Netflix series. Um, and I was actually able to watch it. I want to say I watched it in high school, but I, it could have been my freshman year at Howard. Um, I don't really remember. Um, so I knew about it before, like it became popular and, you know, really went viral on Twitter and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, Justin, when did you first know about um, the Central Park Five? So I was sort of a late bloomer to the game on uh, learning about the Central <laughs> Park Five. Um, I think the first time I really heard about it, and again, shame on me, but uh, was when Donald Trump was running for president. And yeah, <laughs> so it was 2016, but um, yeah, but I because I heard about he took out an article calling for the mm-hmm. death of these five black men, and so I read more into it, and it was just the case is just crazy. It's a you know, it's it's crazy that this happened in I mean, the 1990s, and it's crazy that it, that 
we just talked about Just Mercy on a previous episode. It's crazy how, like, it's still being married, you know? Like, what? nothing has really mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing we talked about, you know, the Just Mercy episode, um, about jury selections um, and things like that. Um, and, a, and there was a point where you're watching the film and you think, there's no way they're going to convict these boys of this crime. And they still do. Um, and I have a couple of quotes I want to talk about, but I also just want to talk about um, a lot of things that happen, I guess, throughout um, the series, just in terms of, like, the prosecutor. Um, and at one point, I felt like, and you don't really get this in depth when you watch the documentary. That's why I really admire this film. Uh, I know I was in the middle of a sentence. Um, that's why I really <laughs> admire this film, because you get to really see the emotions behind things and like the thought process when people are like acting it out and they did a really good job at that. Um, But the prosecutor, um, it just seemed like a lot of people, no matter what the evidence was or no matter, you know, what the proof against them committing this crime was, it was just like, no, we're going to find a way to convict them and so they made this story up and had these kids who had you know sat in an interrogation room for hours and hours and hours who were initially saying no I didn't do it I didn't do it you know I was with such and such to these five you know people who boys I'm gonna say boys because even though they're men now at the time this happened they were boys you know these five little boys who didn't even know each other prior to this incident and and all of a sudden they committed this awful crime together and it was put together by the New York City Police Department. Right. So Right. It was I mean, it was crazy. They basically if you watch the film it basically almost seems like they handpicked five random people to pin a crime on and mm-hmm. made them and coerce their witness statements. Which they, which you know, at the time they said they were witness statements, but they were actually used against them. But you mm-hmm. know, they they coerced these witness statements from these boys who didn't even, who even at one point placed the crime, um, in a completely different location when they were, you uh-huh. know, and that was that was yep. brought up by the prosecutor, you know, uh, that was at one point I think it was like the meeting between the head prosecutor or the investigated in the prosecutor and then she was like we're crossing the line and the investigator i i shouldn't remember the names but yeah i don't i didn't <laughs> I, I i didn't rewatch it before we did this podcast which i probably should have um so i don't really remember okay names, yeah yeah it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the investigator said you know you, like basically alluded to like this is helping your political future your political aspirations right. And I just, that also, you know, and this is like going a little on a tangent a little bit, but that also makes me wonder just about like political prosecutors and if that's even, we talk about this whole idea of reforming the criminal justice system. Can we reform a criminal justice system that is so dependent on elections? And, you know, and I don't think, I don't think the criminal justice system should work that way where public opinion could dictate whether a prosecutor charges somebody 
or a judge, you know, gives the death penalty to somebody. So, yeah. Right. Was there any particular, and I'm asking this because I have one, um, was there any particular person, not necessarily just because of the film, but like the actual five five men, were there any one of them that you particularly felt for, like connected with? Yeah, there was the um, oldest boy. Um, the oldest boy seemed, I think I, yeah. One second. Um, I think it was Antron. Antron was the oldest boy. Oh, really? Was he? Really? Uh, I don't know, but I'm surprised that you said him. Why'd you say him? Because <laughs> I just, um, he seemed like, it seemed like there was, if this is the right boy, it's like the one, um, he stuttered a lot in the movie and I'm, um, and he did it in person. Oh, I think it's on my Corey. Point. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Corey's the one I'm like. I I'm just I was surprised because it seemed like if you watch, I watched the Oprah interview that he gave after, and he was still you know stuttering while he was on Oprah. And he was like he couldn't really talk that well, and yeah, like it just struck me that he went into this prison and like his mental health deteriorated so much. From being there, and what does that what does mm-hmm. that say about the state of our prisons today? You know, mm-hmm. and he didn't commit the crime, I'm... which is another just astounding yeah, yeah, thing. Sure. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's on my Corey, but I, I say that because I also really felt for Corey because if you really watch it, Corey was never arrested initially. Um, you know, they took his friend and after his friend left, they found him like, you know, still sitting in the police station because he like fell asleep or something like that. Um, and they needed a fifth boy. And they picked him as their fifth boy. Um, he was also the one that was in jail the longest. And he endured the most abuse. So he was like beat up a lot in prison. You know, he spent a lot of time in um, solitary confinement. Um, but he also, the reason he, you know, stuttered and stuff like that was because he couldn't, I think he couldn't read well. Um, but, um, and he, he also, you know, the last couple episodes really focused on him. Um, and there's a, you know, scene where he, you know, got really close to one of the, the guards in the prison and he told him, and this is directly a quote from the movie. I like when you call me kid. And I think I paused the, uh, the, the, the film when I was watching that, because it's just like, it really made me realize this is still a kid that's in jail. You know, he never really had the opportunity to be a kid. So the fact that somebody in jail, you know, nicknamed him kid really touched him because he never had that experience. And that was a really tough experience for me um, to kind of, you know, really see that. in Right. Um, yeah. None of these, none of these five boys, these five boys are ripped away from having, a childhood, from having their first loves, from going to college, you know, all of these things that, you know, a lot of us take for granted was just ripped away from them because they happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I say wrong place in the wrong time because they didn't commit the crime and they, they weren't doing anything wrong. They were being kids, you know? But yeah, exactly. but they were, but they just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's 
just it's devastating almost to think about how much they've lost and nothing can bring that back. Mm-hmm. And there's also, um, you know, the same, you know, person, Corey, you know, the he asked, you know, the officer, like, why are you being, you know, so nice to me or something like that? And the officer responded, I have a son. And if he was in your situation, I'd like to believe someone was treating him right. And I mean, that was also very pivotal for me because it was a lot of he wasn't being treated right. And a lot of people did not treat him right. But it was kind of like it the the police officer or the, the jail guard or whoever saw him as a person because of his relationship that he had with his son. And, you know, he wanted to believe, you know, if, my, if this was my son, I would want somebody to treat you like this. And I think that that's something that a lot of times is lost um, in these situations. Like, I, I think normally it's hard for people to look at somebody who they deem as a criminal and think, I should treat you good, you know, because if it were me or if it was my child, I would want somebody to treat them good. You know what right. I'm saying? And um, so that was that was just an interesting moment for me as well. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. Right, yeah. Um, that yeah, that definitely was um it also like brings back this thing of like we are all, you know, binded together, regardless of our social classes, regardless of whether what we've done, we're all binded together in some way or another. And, you know, I just bring back, and I'm talking about Just Mercy, going a little off track here, but um, actually, should I? I don't know. It's just... No, you're Okay, fine. for okay. sure. Okay, cool, yeah. Um, so, in Just Mercy, you know, when Brian Stevenson is, or I think he's meeting, I, I forgot, he's meeting one of his clients um, on death row, and he's going in, and there's this new guard there who's very like, angry and very mean and, you know, just, like, rips things away from him, right? And then in the court date, you know, they found out that the guy that he's representing and the same guard was there, escorted him to the court and was, you know, in court listening. And uh, they were talking about this. um, They were talking about the person Brian Stevenson was representing as being a foster kid and, like, you know, Mm -hmm. having a really rough childhood growing up. And then when to get back um, the next day or at, the next time he goes to visit, the guy's really nice to him. And he has like, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing. I was in foster care, care at one point, care you too. know? Yeah. And so I think mm-hmm. that just, you know, sort of reinforces that we're all binded together um, by like certain things or, or certain just characteristics. And I guess it just sort of shows our humanity Mm -hmm. for sure um and then before i switch i do want to see this quote that i actually ran across on twitter right before we started um this podcast um about the final episode of when they see us and um abba goes i asked Corey, how did you make it all those years and he said i lived in my mind that was the key to unlocking the episode as we were writing it it's like okay you lived in your mind. Let me talk about what that was. Um, so I think that points to two things. I point. I think that points to her ability as a filmmaker um, to be somebody that made this. Um, this you know docu series. Um, well, I guess it wasn't docu series. Uh, this series. This series on Netflix, um, as well as um, the actor's ability to act that out you know he he did a like there was a, a point where he was being interrogated 
they were asking him all these questions and he he just started yelling out, what does this have to do with my case? Like, what does this have to do with my case? Because they weren't asking him anything to do with my case, with, with his case. But he did a really good job of being able to make you emphasize with him. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I thought that was good. Um, and then there was a quote one of the dads, you know, said about, you know, the, you know, the, the boys going through this process and he was like, when they say boys, they're not talking about us because, like, these boys weren't seen as, you know, young boys. They were seen as men who committed this awful crime and who deserved to be punished instead of being seen as children who were in a part being children. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, another, I mean, they, um, another part of that that really struck me was when they were talking about, you know, 40 kids running around, they they talked about mm-hmm. them as like as if they were, you know, thugs or criminals or something. But a lot of these kids were just having a good time. And so I think that's like really what like struck me. And there were some incidences that, you know, of the kids, of like some of the kids in the group doing stuff. But like overall, they were just like just jumping around and dancing and, so mm-hmm. that's really what um, struck me was just the way that, you know, and it goes back to, you know, at 14, we can't be considered kids. You know, black people mm-hmm. oftentimes are looked at as older than they are. And yeah, and they're not afforded some of the same, they're not afforded some of the same, like, they're not able to make as many mistakes as. You know, mm-hmm. other like Caucasian kids can make, right? Yeah, um, and we actually both had this in our notes um, from the film. Um, but one of the dads, you know, told his son, you know, say what they want you to say. You know, they they will lock us up, they will kill us, they'll lie on us, and it's just kind of like I feel like one that that is still true today. But I also feel like why do we live in? Um, in a society where we have to tell young black children, you know, this type of, of stuff. Like, why do we why do we live in a society? And I mean, obviously, this is a rhetorical question, but I don't understand why we have to go through that to tell a child, like, just say whatever they want you to say so we can go home. Like, you know, even if it's not true, because you know, you're, you know, that's what you have to do. Because if not. They're gonna lie on you. They're gonna beat you, or the right. And this is something that's been going on in our country for right. years. And I, I felt for the dad when he said that. I really did because, you know, in a way, like people could twist it as meaning, you know, that the dad sort of was the reason why this child was, you know, this child gave a false statement and everything. Yeah. But and you know, he in the film it shows like he really felt bad, you know, because he was the reason why the child said it because the child was, was not going to yeah, Say, he was not, yeah he was not going to yep. like tell something that he didn't do and so yep. I and that also brings that also brings me to this problem that we have with lower like in the lower income community and in uh like um black community there's oftentimes a lack of knowledge around like issues of the law it's such a Mm -hmm. it's such a foreign thing to so many people and so Mm -hmm. 
it's harder for lower income parents to be advocates for their children when they themselves have very little knowledge of it. And so I think that's another thing that we have to point out is that you can't really, it's hard to be an advocate. Right. No, I I completely agree. And I also think that that points to the question being asked, what resources or what more could we be doing for future generations so that we're not stuck in these situations again, where where there's not a parent saying, just tell them what you want to tell them. And even um, one of the guys, um, you know, his older sister, she was just like, just sign it, like just sign the paper so I can go home, just sign the paper so I can go home. And he was the youngest one out of all of them. Um, and it's just like, if she truly knew, I guess, the the entire depth of the situation in the criminal justice system, would she have done that? And if not, why is our criminal justice system failing impoverished people so bad that this is the type of things that they're dealing with? These are life or death situations, oftentimes where you're going to be incarcerated for the rest of your life. Even if you're not sent to death row, you're going to be, spend the rest of your life in jail because of a lack of information, whether or not you actually committed this crime. Right, right. It's, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a challenging situation. I, I think, yeah, and also um, just with the way that they, they, I, I believe that they sort of um, manipulated them in a way and like, and they sort of used the, their lower income status and their lack of the knowledge of the law um, against them, you know, and they sort of just were like, just sign it. You know, they wouldn't have done that if there was a lawyer present, you know. And right. I think, and I think right. there was like a point where this child had a fake ID that showed that he was an adult, and so he, I think it was something about he, he waived his right to a lawyer because he had. Yeah, I kind of begged. Yeah, for that. I begged. And for so that. I think it's just. That situation, I would like to think that that was the worst of the criminal justice system and not the rule. Like, I, I want to say that was the exception and not the rule, but I also just, we the more we hear about these stories, the more it seems like this isn't just uh, once, uh, you know, once in a blue moon occurrence, but this happens all right. the time. All the time. All the time. And a lot of people just like them are in jail for things that they didn't do because they didn't have an attorney or, right. you know, because they were framed. I mean, that's what we talked about in just mercy. I mean, this guy was, you know, framed for a crime, you know, and it, and it happens so often in our society. And I don't know, it's just problematic, but I am happy that there are people that are able to get right. these stories out and tell them, which is why I'm a big fan of, you know, I said this at the beginning, but I'm, why I'm a big fan of Ava DuVernay because of just, everything you know that she's done and that she's continuing to do um as well um i would like to really quickly talk about the awards that when they see us got but that's also going to transition so is there any any other piece that you want to talk about really quickly before we talk about just the awards of the film um so i yeah i think i think we pretty much covered it it's just it's a it was a tragic case um yeah 
All right, cool. I would like to talk about some of the nominations that it got. For, like I said at the beginning, I think it was the most watched series on Netflix when it first came out, like, ever. Um, and then it got, I think, 16 Emmy nominations and maybe six um, Critics' Choice Awards. But something interesting is they didn't get any nomination for the Emmys. Um, and there was a tweet. I don't remember. I don't think it was anybody. Um that was like a celebrity or anything, but you know, somebody commented on why I didn't receive any awards at the Emmys and someone made a comment about how it's about, you know, the truth about, you know, five black men and their stories and how they were, you know, racially profiled and, you know, how it talks too in depth about race and, you know, people at the Emmys aren't ready for that discussion. Right. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But I am happy that it was really successful. I think it was great. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it informed a lot of people. Um, because like I said, a lot of people actually didn't know about it until this um series was made. Um so yeah, I mean that's really all I had to say. I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yeah, I um I was just say uh Yeah, it was not that the Grammys and because people aren't ready for that conversation, but I think it's very important that filmmakers um, sort of take take these ideals and run with them and, you know, create narrative mm-hmm. around people who have been wrong throughout history and particularly, like, African-American through the Civil Rights Movement because these stories haven't been told for so long. So I think it's... So mm-hmm. I think it was way... I think... A, Ava, is that how you pronounce your name? Or Ava? Okay, I think it could be. Yeah, I I, I could be wrong. Ava, I think, okay, I, yeah, I think um, Ava accomplished her goals. You know, she might not have received the Grammy, but she definitely accomplished her goals. And her goals were to get this story out, and it's out, and people are having a conversation. And I think that is the most important thing: is that people have a conversation and people understand what is going on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I could be wrong. It may be Ava DuVernay. <laughs> I think it's. I think somebody told me. I, that bothers me because I. First of all, I hate when people say my name wrong, so I try to make it a point to say people's names correctly. Um, so I'm gonna figure that out, and I'm gonna record another podcast and just randomly put that fact in there, just so I can get it. Get it. Um, get it right. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's really all I had to to kind of talk about. Um, anybody who has not seen it. Um, I think it's something that you should watch. I think it's something that we should have discussions on. Um, I think that we should also have more films just in this area and kind of talking about, you know, these situations and really putting them out for I, the public to kind of see and be informed about. I would like to add one more thing, though. Um, so I think um, when we talk about Just Mercy and we talk about When They See Us, um, a lot of times people lose sight over the fact that there was a victim in this crime and that victim has never received justice because of a criminal justice system that was more, that, you know, that, that was more focused on incarcerating black people, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. this, that's a good point. I didn't yeah, think about and that. So like when we talk about the criminal justice system, it is in everyone's best interest that the criminal justice system is reformed because there are real victims who are, who have a lack of justice because the criminal justice system is so broken. So I think that's an important fact to talk about 
um, when, we, when we discuss things like this, we, even with the Just Mercy case, the woman who there was a woman who was killed and Mar- Walter McMillan was framed for that killing, but that woman never received justice. Her family never does not to this day does not know who committed that crime. And I think he died. I think they found him and he died. I could be making really up, okay. Figure out who it was. Oh, I okay. He, I think he. I, I'm. I'm pretty sure at the end of the book it said that they found out who it was and he. He had been dead for a number okay. of years. But but I, I would like to. I I've never thought about that and I do think that is a great conversation for people to have about how we punish people for things that they've done to society. But I mean a lot of times it's also for the victim. But when you're punishing the wrong people, that victim never really gets that. I mean closure might be a bad word to use, but. Never really gets that um that closure. Yeah. So yeah. Um good point. Um but again, um I do always end my podcast with a song and a shoe of the week. Um I'll go first. Um uh, I'm gonna do for my song of the week, um, Party Next Door featuring Drake Loyal. Um and I think for my shoe, since Christmas just passed, I'm gonna do the um LeBron seventeen Christmas shoe. Um, his Christmas, um, I guess, colorway for my shoe. Um, so, so all you boys. All right. <laughs> for my song of the week, I'm going to do a shameless plug and plug in my brother's song, uh, Poetic. Actually, it goes by Raj now. And his song, A Thousand Words by Raj, I think you can find it somewhere. But, um, yeah, it just sort of talks about some of the same things that we're discussing with just, you know, using our creative minds to tell stories about the about like civil rights and about historical issues that people have faced and for my shoe of the week i'm not a big shoe guy so i'm (laughs) so i don't i nike air jordans how about that (laughs) (laughs) all right cool all right well cool thanks for coming on um this week um and kind of talking about everything um it's been great having you on um so thanks again for reaching out with you you know asking me to yeah. do this um for having and me. i'll invite you on another time all right peace, peace.